All right, hey, welcome back to Deep Pod. We're doing another episode of uh, of BTS today, and finally, finally, we have this man who's been avoiding me, <laughs> avoiding the podcast, <laughs> Stefan Sun. Welcome, welcome to our studio, yeah. Stefan. How did you avoid us for so long? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so we're recording right now, and um, I think what's on our mind right now is uh, the retreat because you know we just got back from it a few days ago, so. How do you how do you feel about the retreat? How was it for you? How was it for the for your guys? Yeah, um, retreat was great. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really different from the previous retreats we had. Mm. Not sure how to really describe it, but just really felt like God was moving and felt like His Word was really convicting people and was so encouraged by how many people were. Not just like making new decisions, but um, just confessing and repenting and, and wrestling with that, and and I felt like collectively we experienced the joy of repentance. So uh, yeah, I was I was really thankful, and personally, I was really challenged too. So yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. I, I, I feel what you're saying. I, I think there's kind of a a, a group of joy that happens when you know multiple people in that group are just genuinely repenting and turning back to the Lord and. And there's just kind of a, just a peace that that kind of overwhelms the group, and then everyone kind of feels it together. So yeah. I think we got to experience some of that. So yeah, so, yeah. So thankful. Um, so here we are. So we're doing a behind the staff, getting to know a little bit more about your story, and um, and some kind of unique aspects of it. So hey, let's just jump straight into it. You know, a, a lot of what we've been discussing here is sort of you know what people's spiritual backgrounds are, um, how you became a Christian. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, when did when did you start going to church? Um, <laughs> and I, hey, I'm just kidding. You just you grew up in our church, so hey, yeah. just yeah. What, what's your spiritual background? How would you how would you kind of describe that? Yeah. So yeah, I guess um, I don't know if all the newer students know, but yeah, I so I grew up going to our church. Um, my parents are um, like they've been around at our church since they were in college, and that's how they got saved and they met and they stuck around. So uh, yeah, so I. But I guess I just think of myself as a church kid. Like I just, yeah, I grew up going to church my whole life. Um, when I was in fifth grade is when I would say, that's when I usually say that like I uh, I became Christian in the sense that I, I think I understood the gospel message for the first time. I remember there was like a, there was a fifth grade retreat and that was when I, I heard the gospel like clearly in its entirety for the first time. And I was issued this invitation like, do I believe in, do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do I believe that, you know, he died and rose again and, and, and that I'm a sinner. And so that's, that's when I like raised my hand and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and savior. Mm. Um, after that point, I think my faith didn't grow a whole lot. Um, I don't know. I guess there's not a lot of ways that like a fifth to like, you know, eighth grader can <laughs> like live out their faith. I don't know. Yeah. 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 It just, uh, yeah. So, so I think for me it was, it was more, um, it, it was still kind of a pretty surface level identity and I was just going to church on Sundays and, and that was mainly it. Mm. Um, I think in, yeah. So then starting like my, uh, my freshman year to sophomore year in high school, I think that's when I started to, um, uh, that's when I started to get exposed to, uh, you know, different things like, like on the internet, kind of the darker sides of the internet. And, um, that's when I started to struggle a lot more with the temptations of, 
of lust. And, um, and that, that was an area that just brought me like deep shame, but I didn't know what to do with that. I, I think, um, I felt like I was becoming this like split person where mm. I had this kind of hidden side of me. Um, and then I had the, the part of me that was like the good church kid that everyone looked up to, mm. you know, me and my friend Noah, like we were, we were kind of of the first generation of GP kids. And so a lot of like, you know, kids and, and then their parents were like, you know, looking to us and, and kind of holding us up. Like, you know, we are the ones that they want their kids to be like. And mm. so, so there was that going on, but then there was the struggle with sin and, um, and I felt really like torn. And I, I remember certain days where I would be like walking to the bus stop when I, on my way to high school and I, I felt so miserable. I felt so like such like a split person. Mm. Um, and so that, that all led up to like, uh, a winter retreat we had my junior year in high school and um we went up to sierra lodge uh which is like one of our getaway homes in the in the bay area uh, up in lake tahoe area and um yeah and then uh, pastor andy uh he he's uh he's now helping to pastor like our taiwan church and and um he he came and spoke at the retreat and he shared his testimony and he shared really vulnerably about his struggles in this area. Um, he had some pretty serious struggles and, and I was really taken aback cause I felt mm. like, wow, I didn't know that a pastor could have these kinds of struggles and, and then be able to like share that on stage. And, and, and he, um, and he connected it back to the cross, right. And he connected back to how Jesus forgave him. And that's, you know, that grace is what gives him the ability to stand up there. And, um, testify and then he called us to to confess and come to the light mm -hmm. and so that was when i first came into the light about my sins i think that was like the first time that i really like openly confessed about um yeah my honest and true feelings and struggles that i was going through and uh when i so during there was like a there was a altar call like time to pray mm -hmm. and and uh one of the, i i went up to one of uh the youth uh youth teachers and uh I asked him to pray for me. I confessed all these things and he prayed for me. And I think in that moment, I kind of felt like after I confessed, I felt that like moment of fear and, and worry. Like, am, am I about to get like, you know, condemned and like rained down with these like prayers of, I don't know, so like God, God's judgment or yeah. something. <laughs> um, but, but no, he just, you know, he prayed a, a prayer, like, you know, claiming Jesus forgiveness for me and, uh, and that was the first time that I experienced, yeah, that burden really being lifted off me. So I think that year, like junior year is when I, when I say like, I, I really experienced God's forgiveness in a personal way. And I really made Jesus the Lord of my life because I wanted to walk away from that struggle from that point on. And, and then I think from that point on, I experienced a lot of growth in, in my walk with God. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Not, not all through myself, but um, yeah, just, uh, ju just through like really trying to walk uh, alongside, uh, alongside the other brothers that I had around me during that time too. So yeah. I was, I was blessed to have a small group of guys that was really close with and, mm -hmm. and through being open about our own struggles and then also growing in our heart for like our friends and for evangelism. Um, I experienced a lot of growth after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, in, in, you said it in fifth grade, right? Like you kind of knew the gospel, like you, you learned it, you can probably like say it, grew up in church all your life. Uh, but then in some ways you didn't like, know the gospel until there was this thing that you had to confess and you had to bring it to the light and what you were met with was not judgment but mercy and then 
like in a new way the gospel became like real to you yeah right and so um and, and that's been my my experience i think that's the experience of a lot of people who go through our ministry which is like it's like it's different in theory versus like actually making yourself known yeah going through that process of confession and and in some ways that person whether it's a leader or a friend who prays for you who lays their hand on you prays for you prays for mercy and like and, and they become a proxy to god in some mm -hmm. ways so yeah that's a really powerful experience um yeah so then yeah so i mean you know you're you're one of the few people on our team who grew up at our church um so uh, so i I'm sure you, maybe you get this question a lot, but like, what was it? What was it like? Or, mm -hmm. or maybe you can kind of right, talk right. about it in terms of like, um, what what did you like about it? Like, yeah. what do you love about growing up at our church? Yeah, and then yeah. What did you like not love about it? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, so the not loving about it is a little easier for me to answer because mm -hmm. actually, I, I'm not like the, really the rebellious type. So, for me, I, I I really didn't have too many like problems with growing up in our church. I mean, yeah, there were definitely um, some parts that graded against me, but uh, yeah, I think for the most part, I'm pretty like just by disposition. I'm kind of obedient and compliant. So, um, is it good, good, yeah, boy, yeah, good yeah. I, I am, I am the goody two shoes <laughs> church boy. So, um, yeah. So like, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have like the, probably the most, like one of the most rebellious things I did when I was like growing up, when I was younger was like, my parents, um, were pretty strict about us not having Yu-Gi-Oh cards, which was big at the time, right? But then I think like Yu-Gi-Oh represented like the, you know, what was what was at the forefront of like, you know, media consumption and, and, and mm -hmm. the culture nowadays that, at that time, right? Like, I don't know, the equivalent of what like, yeah, all, like all these TV shows would be like Game of Thrones or something or like, so, so, so I think they, you know, they wanted us to have a healthy distance from that, mm -hmm. um, you know, which, which to me felt really like, uh, you know, draconian and, and, and unfair. And so the, like my expression, the expression of my like rebellion was, I think my parents had a bunch of people over for dinner when I, you know, it was probably like, yeah, some Friday night or like a meeting or something. And I'd said, Oh, I'm going to go out for a walk. Cause I thought that was being really like, you know, really low key and, and very, uh, you know, <laughs> unsuspicious. And so I, so I just like went for a walk and then there happened to be this neighbor, like this, this there's this, this dad, like a couple doors down the, my street who like everybody knew he sold like Yu-Gi-Oh cards out of his garage. I don't know why he was doing that. Yeah. Oh, it was kind of his yeah. side hustle or whatever. Yeah. So, so then I went there and I bought like three packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and I like, I, you know, smuggled them back into my house. And that was like, <laughs> that was like my, re my rebellious act against Dang. my parents and their tyranny. Um, did, did yeah. they ever find out? Oh yeah, yeah. They knew like instantly, and then like I had to confess. Like yeah, I think it was like that night they like confronted me, and so like yeah. So then I had to like tell them, and then I think they let me keep it actually. But like yeah, it was just they're like yeah. if it means that much. To I know. You, just yeah. Keep it. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. So looking back, that was kind of silly. That's funny. Um. Yeah. So you know that that's uh, like yeah. So it seems things I didn't like. I mean yeah. You know it's just it's just the usual things like yeah. Just, we, we we did grow up like without a TV. So. Um, and that was my parents, you know, choice uh, to, yeah, to, to, to not have that like in our home. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that grated against me, but like, you know, we, we had a computer, like by the time I was in middle school and like we, we played computer games. Like I never had console games, but like, yeah, we played computer games. So like, it wasn't like too different, I guess. Um, I, I, but I think like all those things did create me a kind of a sense 
that like oh i am living differently and i, I think i think i learned that from like a young age yeah, yeah. so so, so yeah. that's really interesting to me because like so you know like growing up so you're you're born like 94 93 five, 93, yeah. 93 yeah, yeah. right so like you know, and, and like during the nineties, it's like, yeah, it's like TV, like yeah, those are yeah. sort of like the things that can really influence you mm-hmm. or like the world's influence can really get to you and kind of has these, all these bad messages. And, um, and, but then like just contextually, I mean, in some ways, like, I mean, we have like TVs in the home now or whatever mm-hmm. like at our church, like, like I have a TV at my place, but there's still like a lot of other ways in which we sort of choose to live counterculturally. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure like when my kids get a little older and, they're going to want like, you know, like discussions around when, when do kids get a smartphone? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like do they get like Disney plus account? Like, you know, it's like, you know, like oh, these kinds of things are, are just part of, I think what makes our, like we, we try to have strong values around these right, things and, right, right. And, and be thoughtful about these things. Yeah, sort yeah. Of, for me, it's interesting to hear kind of you as a kid growing up in that when yeah. I know like your, your parents as leaders within the church kind of were choosing to take some countercultural stances. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you're kind of, you know, there's a little bit of like, ah, like kind of sucks. But then like, I guess in the long run, you kind of understood like, okay, I guess this is a part of what it means to live as a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like we talk about it, like, well, I think one way we talk about it that, that helps me or that, that sticks with me is like, like uh, we intentionally put some friction, you know, put, putting some friction in our lives between mm-hmm. us and not, not just getting swept up in, the way a culture is going and, and whatever like people around us are doing. So like even now, like, okay, we all have smartphones, but then like a lot of us, uh, like some of the staff, like we choose to not have browsers. Like I don't have a, I don't have a browser on my phone. Um, and I don't have like internet access, um, apart from like, you know, the, the essential apps that I use. Um, and that's just a way for me to, yeah, kind of like slow down my life. And then also because yeah, Smartphones can be such like a big temptation, source of temptation just to like, you know, cut off one more area like that mm. and keep that out of my life. And and then like I feel that because like nowadays, like uh, more and more, it's like you can't do anything without a <laughs> phone and like especially without a browser because you have to, to the, QR code everything. Yeah. yeah. You go to the restaurant. Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh, no. Um, just QR code it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, um, c- could I get a physical menu? Please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Now I just say like, yeah. yeah. I just say, oh yeah, my browser doesn't work, and I just hope that they don't ask you any more yeah. questions. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. So that's funny. Uh, but yeah, I think I think like had I had those kind of experiences from a from a younger age. So I guess, yeah, I, I think it's kudos to like the people who came from, you know, like families and stuff where they where they kind of grew up and like they had all that because i think for me in some ways it's easier because i'm just kind of used to that right just grew up yeah yeah and so so now like i don't i don't question as much like but i think nowadays yeah like people have to really think through like why am i doing the things i'm doing i think that's um yeah that's a good practice right and uh, uh, there's reasons for it and and i think it's been good but yeah that that was kind of how i grew up (laughs) okay yeah yeah and so then coming back to kind of growing up at our church like what so what were some of the things that you loved about growing up yeah yeah so i think um definitely what i loved was was the community and you know of course that's like the strong point about our church that we we talk about so much but I, i think um for me i just grew up with such a robust picture of life and life lived in relationships that um yeah, it's like it's like seared into my memory and 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 there's this experience that like I've known and and like I can't I can't like not live that way. Mm. Um like I had yeah, I remember I also had this experience where like you know, I was used to having people in my house like 7 days a week almost like it felt like and and if you know, I don't know if you yeah, maybe maybe your kids say this too, but like yeah, when when 
people were not at our house, I was asking my parents like, oh, who's coming over tonight, right? And that was kind of the default yeah, like yeah. assumption, like, oh, who's coming over? And if they're not coming over and like, what? It's just us eating at the table. Like, um, or like when we went on family vacations, like I don't, um, like so many of my, you know, so many of our vacations, like we're with other people that like when we went on just family vacations, like I would, I would tell like my other church friends, you know, like, oh, that was so boring. Like it was just four of us, <laughs> yeah. like in Yosemite, like, what do you, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think I was really blessed in that way. Uh, when I, when I went over to like my friend's house, uh, I remember, um, like fourth or fifth grade, I went over to my friend's house and we were just like in his room, like, um, playing video games, which I did at everyone else's house, you know, as much as I could, because I couldn't do it at home. <laughs> yeah. And and we were playing, like, we we're playing video games. And then it was like so quiet and so empty. It was just us. And I, I, I think I asked him like, Oh, like, like who's coming over or like who else is here? And then yeah, it was just it was just strange to me yeah, that yeah. people didn't live that way, right, and um, right. yeah. So I don't know if that makes me the strange one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I, I kind of grew up with that with that picture, and I think my life felt so full, and I, I never I never felt lonely. Like I, I think that is one thing I look back on, like and and realized like kind of recently. But yeah, I never. I never felt lonely growing up. Actually, I think I, I realized that, especially when I was learning more about Vivian's life. <laughs> no, knock on Vivian. Like her parents were so hardworking that yeah, she was yeah, often yeah. home alone. And she, right. she talks about like how, you know, like she'd be scared because she, she'd have to go to sleep like by herself oh, and man, yeah. she'd leave the TV on like all night because, you know, she was afraid. And, and like, I, I don't think I ever really felt that. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, and I, earlier you were kind of mentioning like, it's, it's something that you can't like unsee or, like because you've experienced life like that mm -hmm. like to to step away from that feels weird because it's like well you know how life can be how rich it can be with so many relationships and yeah. like why would you like not want that in a yeah. way right and and but then for people like you know for me like growing up without like an extended family because you know like in america it's like suburbia right and it's like life is centered around nuclear family and here's this like you know one family home yeah and and so everyone's kind of these atomized family units and you sort of just grow up with that and you sort of take that for granted. Yeah. But then I think I had the experience of coming to our church as a college student and experiencing the kind of tribal life, which is like, has like annoying parts, but it's like mostly filled with blessing and joy. Mm -hmm. And you realize that I really like this and I don't ever want to stop living yeah. this way. Right. And, and then I think you got to experience that from a young age. So yeah, yeah that's really neat. Yeah. So even when I got to, college actually that was even like kind of a jarring uh experience for me because um yeah because because i i, I learned that people don't like naturally gravitate towards other people or they're not naturally like trying to gather you know all the time and like right. be together and doing everything and so yeah that was kind of a learning experience like oh you know some people just really like to be alone or like yeah, they actually yeah. you know and, and yeah that, that was something i had to learn too <laughs> so. yeah for sure and yeah. there's definitely like you know i mean there's of course like people who are introverted and they need alone time right, and things right. like that but i think in the picture of uh in the church we get sort of um i, I don't know like sometimes we talk about how like even the whole nuclear family thing that's a pretty recent invention like people you always used to live in like tribal networks you know mm -hmm. like your whole clan lives together um and and there's a lot of strength in that but um yeah i, I think it's something i think that that god gives to us in the church that uh we shouldn't take so lightly and we should in, in some ways trust god in that area you know yeah. even if we don't find that uh, very intuitive so yeah. um okay so so kind of yeah you mentioned undergrad days like kind of uh 
in college and kind of meeting people that are different from you so that you know that's part of the college experience but kind of i guess just to cover your college years quickly like mm-hmm. what what's kind of like a, a shining soaring memory that you have from your college years that when you look back on it you know like man like i really missed that yeah right? kind of that and then and then what's something that maybe was harder like what, what's something that god was teaching you through that time mm, maybe okay. one way to put it yeah 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 yeah, in terms of good memories, there, there, yeah, there's really two I usually come back to. Um, the first one would be like my uh, sophomore, junior year when I was living with all my friends um, at our Benveni apartments. Like we had like five apartments and there, there were a bunch of us living together in the same complex. But I think we're going to do another one with my peers, so I won't talk about that. I think the other thing, um, the other thing that stands out to me is my senior year when I was living in the dorms, um, yeah, that was so. So I guess backtrack a little bit. So, th- so living in the dorms was something that I decided to do, and it was something that like there was precedent for. Like, there was there were um, older. You, you had lived off campus. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. A number of years. Right, right. You came back into the dorms. Yeah, 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 yeah. So usually, like at Berkeley, people live in the dorms their freshman year, and then you, you live off campus the rest the next three years. Um, but there was some precedent of. Um, people in our church who had decided to move back to the dorms and they did that as a way to, uh, because, because like the dorms are such a, uh, such a unique environment where people are building relationships are very open and, and you're really like sharing life in this really close way um, that people decided to move back as a chance to meet freshmen and like get to know them and try to be like older brothers and sisters to them, like on the, on the floor. So um yeah, so so me and me and my friends decided to do that. We we wanted to try that same thing. Um, I had a really good experience in the dorms my freshman year, and then I think this the special thing about like the, the thing about Berkeley dorms, or, or I guess most colleges outside of U Chicago, <laughs> is that most dorms are not there. There are no singles like yeah, in Berkeley. Yeah. Like, like everything is doubles, like doubles, triples, triples yeah, quads even. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and so yeah, so three me and and two other two other friends, three of us, we we moved into the dorms our, our senior year. And I think going in with that mentality of like, really want to just love on some people, just build relationships with them, see if any of them would be open to like hearing about the gospel or, uh, or coming to church. Um, yeah, that, that, that was cool. Really, really cool to go into that with that sense of mission. Um, it was super hard, like in the sense that, um, it was, it, it was, it was really demanding, like trying to, trying to be there and be available and, and make our lives open to like all like whatever 60 to 80 people like on our floor. Um, yeah, we, it was, it was really, really demanding. Like we, that first week, uh, we were up, you know, to like 3am every night because like people would be coming back from parties. They'd be like drunk out of their minds. We'd have to help them up. We had to like, someone called us from a different floor just cause I think we were seniors. So they thought like, oh, these guys must know something. And there was a girl like, you know, in the, in the bathroom, like nearly passed out, like, like draped over the toilet. And so like, yeah. we, we had to just like, you know, just, just get her help or just make sure she wasn't like, you know, she was okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, so there was that there, I, I had experience where I was just walking by our lounge and there was like a girl from our floor was crying there like our first week because she just felt so lost. And so like everyone else knows what they're doing and I don't. Um, yeah. And so just had to sit with her and talk with her for like a little bit. Um, yeah, so, so there was that. And then just throughout the year, there's just all kinds of drama and, and people come to us, but then there's also us trying to like advance the gospel. So, you know, trying to bring them out. Um, 
we ended up putting on like a small group for people that we knew uh, like in our building um, for like an entire semester. So we were like preparing, you know, trying to prepare Bible studies, like food, um, you know, games, like trying, you know, trying to kind of put on our own little Bible study. And then at the end of the year, we built up to actually putting on what we called a seekers retreat, which uh, we decided to put on like a one day retreat. We prepared some content uh, there's all kinds of stories I could tell you about that, about this really uh, <laughs> weird skit that Agape and Lishan did where they yes. acted out the prodigal son and, and Lishan was a father and Agape was a son, but it was, it was a pantomime. So there were no words, but they were just kind of tenderly like interacting anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So, so, but we, we built up to putting on this retreat for all the people we knew who were like non-Christian and, and, and would be open to coming for that. So, yeah, so it was it was like really demanding, uh, really, you know, we pushed ourselves really hard that year. But when I look back, like that was, yeah, that was, that was the year where I experienced doing ministry. And I said, like, I really want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, like devoting my life to saving souls is like so worth it. Yeah. So that was, that was my experience with that. Dang, that's, so, that's so awesome. Like yeah. when I hear about that, it just sounds like. You guys went to a, a mission trip. All yeah. Right. That's sort of if, what it feels yeah. like. It's like a foreign mission field. It's like freshman, college yeah. freshman. So like it's by senior year, you're like, you look <laughs> at a freshman, you're like, what is wrong with you? You know, it's yeah. like, but then, so, and, and then part of what I'm hearing in your story is like, you know, we talk about how Jesus, what did he come to do? Well, he came to heal and then he came to teach. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of what you guys were doing is just relating with them, just yeah. being a, just a listening ear, help like literally helping them yeah. get healed when you know they I, they make like unwise choices and just being there for them and then you know in the opportunities that you have uh, teaching them like uh, just sharing the gospel with them just letting them know about your yeah. faith and so like I don't know I just I just look at that and it's like like that's what that's what we're called to do and that's why that was such a difficult but also like rewarding experience for you yeah. guys so yeah so then um. So then as you think about college, was there something that was kind of difficult about it or kind of what, what was kind of God maybe as you look back on your life, what was he trying to teach you through that time? Right. Um, I think one thing that was um, one thing I did have to struggle with actually was my relationships with my peers. Um, I guess. Yeah, from from my from my perspective, um, I came in with a lot of like judgmental thoughts and like prejudices and um yeah just a lot of pride just thinking i was super spiritual and you know and then it was like like it it was me in the same small group with like you know agape you know like just from a very different background at a very different place in his life you know spiritually um and and then i had other friends you know who were like just had yeah you know different life journeys and so we were all intersecting and um and yeah, and me needing to learn that um, these are just, these are the brothers that God has given to me. And actually there's a lot that I can, uh, a lot of strength I can receive from them and a lot I can learn from them. Um, and I think the way that I learned that was through, actually through confession, through struggling with my sins and learning to confess um, to them and going to them for for strength and for help and um, and opening up to them and making myself vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I wanted to be like kind of the leader of the group and be the one like gathering people and, and kind of have that image of, you know, being, being the one kind of like leading the charge, I guess, like, uh, spiritually, not that I was even, you know, we were doing very much, but just, yeah, just that I was like the most spiritually mature or something like that. Um, but 
I think around my sophomore year, you know, I was, I was kind of, yeah, throughout, throughout freshman year, like, well, with all the freedom I had and in time and, you know, having internet and my own laptop and my own room, um, yeah, I was, I was falling back to a lot of these, these same sins, uh, that I had struggled with before. And, um, and, and so it was another kind of battle for me to come back and open up about, about that and bring that into the light. And I think through just consistently, um, learning to trust these friends and, and coming to them, I saw like how much strength I could actually receive from them. And then, then our relationship progressed from there to actually becoming like partners in ministry where, uh, yeah, we were actually trying to reach out to people together, reach out to our friends, bring them over to our apartments. And then it kind of culminated in like our senior year. So I think that was, that was a struggle for me, like coming in, not sure if I could like open up or if these guys would really like, you know, become brothers that I could really like count on. Um, but yeah, over the years we, I think our relationships really grew. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, it's my my experience of not not just like my own small group in college, but like you know different classes I've led and been with. Like it's sort of God br- seems to like have a knack for bringing people who naturally wouldn't get along together. It's mm-hmm. sort of like oh why why these people <laughs> you know like of all people yeah right and 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 yeah. But then I see that in how Jesus chose his disciples and you know and I love how the chosen like you know the this miniseries like yeah kind of depicts them as like really not liking each yeah, other yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like. That really resonates with my experience yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. my small group. Right, so, right. Um, but then because you're all committed to Jesus and, and, and because you all basically end up seeing, oh man, we're all sinners. Yeah. Right. I think that's sort of where the chosen's going with this. Like they all see their own brokenness. Yeah. Right. And then they bond around the love that Jesus has for them and then the mission that Jesus has for them. So, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, so you guys like kind of caught on to doing ministry together. You did the dorms and then. And then uh, when you graduated, you guys had the CPI program, which, you know, we've, we've had, uh, you know, a podcast on that, that uh, Amy and Huna talked about, like church plant intern, but you guys were part of an earlier class, right? The class 2015. Mm-hmm. So like, can you just talk a little bit about what that was like? So you guys went to Seattle to plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you and a bunch of peers, a couple of guys that were a little older, but um, mm-hmm. um, uh, mainly your peers. And what was that like? Um, I don't know. What are what did what did you learn through that? Why why did you do it? Um yeah. take us through some of that. Yeah, so I think we were like the third class to do CPI, third or fourth, I don't know. But yeah, we got invited to be a part of the Seattle church plant. Um for me personally, I think it was it was at at the same time it was like kind of a clear decision, but it was also something I had to wrestle with. I had just gotten a job offer at this at this company in uh, San Francisco. I forget what I was going to be doing for them, like some kind of, yeah, some kind of like analyst or work. Um, but yeah, I think that, that gave me like a sense of security. Like, I, you know, I felt like, okay, I knew what I was going to do after college. And then after that, this, this came up. So I did have to wrestle with like giving up that job because I, I was pretty sure like if I, you know, I wasn't going to be able to say, oh, I'll just come back in a year. So I think that was, uh, that was something that helped make it kind of like a clear, you know, I needed to make a clear decision on this and, um, yeah, you know, it definitely like took some time to pray about it, but I, after all I experienced senior year, I really felt like I wanted to go, um, and join this Seattle church plant. So, um, so yeah, joined the team. Um, we did a little bit of training. The team was made up of, uh, so it was, oh man, I, 
I think it was seven guys and three sisters. Yeah, because I think there were 10 of us. Um, six of the guys were my peers. So it was just 2015. And then there was John Kim, who was, uh, who was older, 2012? 2013. 2013. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then, and then three, the three sisters were also our year. And so it was 10 of us. And then Pastor Andy and Amy, who, um, the same Pastor Andy who actually spoke at that retreat. So yeah, our, our paths have, have crossed and you know, I'm really thankful for that. And then um, Pastor, not Pastor, uh, Abe and Michelle, who uh, were a couple from our Riverside Church. So actually coming into it, um, I didn't really know, <laughs> I didn't know most of them. Mm. Yeah, it, it, that was kind of a new experience where like, you know, kind of like you're saying, like not just with peers, but even just this ministry team. Like we 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 didn't have this like prior background. Like we wouldn't be brought together except for the gospel. And so, um, yeah, like even though they were my peers, uh, three of them, uh, two of them were had been in a completely different ministry group from me. Um, you know, and then there was Noah, um, and then there was uh, and then there was one other guy, David, who was who had been um, in my ministry group. So, yeah, so a lot of it was us just getting to know each other and building relationships. Um, and uh, that that was kind of like how we spent the first summer, where we were doing some training, and then when we find, and then we finally um, we finally moved up there. Um, let's see. I think I think one of the biggest things from that year, like my experience, was actually just learning how to be an adult. <laughs> I think that was like a big yeah, part of it. Okay. I mean, yeah. for sure, the the highlight of it was was like doing the ministry and starting the church. So. Um, I don't know if I should start with it, but, but I guess, yeah, personally, I think it was, it was a, it was a big, it was just a year of growth. Just, uh, just learning how to take myself seriously, uh, how to like conduct myself, um, and, and think about like other people around me and, and how I'm living and, uh, and then, and then like to be, just be responsible and like do ministry as well. So could you give us an example of yeah. uh, what, what it looked like for you to become an adult? Yeah, during, yeah, during yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, a big area was just, just like a spiritual discipline, um, and taking, taking like my spiritual discipline in my own hands and then, uh, and learning to have like discipline about like, you know, waking up on time and, and, and kind of learning that. So I, I think that's the, that was one of my favorite things about pastor Andy. Um, he's, he isn't, he's an ENFP. So he's like, he's a champion, which is actually the same, uh, in the Myers-Briggs, if you're familiar with that, but he's the same as agape, but he's very not like agape in that he's not, <laughs> he's not the raw, raw type. Mm. He's like the really motivating, like, I don't know. He, he's like your, your, your sergeant. That's like, like a coach. Uh, yeah. Like your coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Coach. Like he is, he is a coach. And, and so he, he can motivate you to do things and he can rally people and, um, and really inspire you. And, and so, uh, we got to live with him that first year. Um, and basically that's, that's, that's what he was doing. He was just rallying us to become grown men. And so, <laughs> um, yeah. So then like, you know, one of the things was waking up at like 7am for DT, which, uh, you know, which he really tried to instill, instill in us. It's an important value for, you know, so many people in our church because it's just, it, you know, setting aside that time, first thing in the morning, what you're going to do is go to God's word and you're going to start with that. And, um, and you're going to put, you know, everything else aside is in the day is going to come after that. Mm -hmm. And, and just the reality that like, once you start your day, it's so hard to like go back to that too. Um, and so, yeah, he really tried to try to instill that in us, even though we were like CPIs, we didn't, you know, we're just, we're not working. Right. So we could have like the rest, you know, we could have easily started like much later. Um, and you know, we had all this kind of time, but I think he really wanted to give us 
um, you know, set us up for uh, for that discipline and for success in you know in the future when we did have jobs. He was always thinking ahead for us right. in that way too. Um, so I really appreciated that. You know, it was rocky, right? I'm not going to say like we did that like perfect perfectly like for sure we, we actually we had such a hard time we um like we couldn't wake up on time and show up for dt um even though um even though we were like in the house and we literally we just had to roll out of our beds like we didn't even have to brush our teeth like DT we could just roll house. out and just walk like the 20 paces into the into the dining room to do DT. So, so it was like Pastor Andy there. Yeah, yeah. Then, like, so he's always there. Sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And we're always like <laughs> barely rolling out. And so he actually like, you know, he had grace toward us and yeah. he pushed it back, I think like twice. Like it was like, at one point he went to 7.15 and I think we actually started at like 7.30 for yeah. a while. And that so, actually, I think we did 7.30 for the year because we just couldn't do yeah, it. These guys can't yeah, handle yeah, it right yeah. now. We weren't, we weren't ready for that. So yeah, it took us some time to to get there. But that was just one area where I think he, he like personally, he just helped me to grow and like take myself more seriously like yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, there's hope though, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you show up to DT yeah. very consistently yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Andy. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, um, are there any, is there anything from that year that's sort of, uh, I don't know, like uh, what would you learn from that CPI experience or what was difficult or I don't know, kind of however angle you want to, however you want to take it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to summarize it perfectly, but, um, I, I think learning to do ministry, uh, learning to like what it takes to start a church plant um, I, th I think it taught me, I think it taught me that like starting a church, it's not really about like some kind of formula. It's not about the, uh, the, this like perfect, like Sunday service or the, like the perfect event. Um, I, I think it really is just about, I don't know. It, it so much is really about their relationships. Like so much of my memories from that year was, just just the relationships so like amongst our staff team um yeah i think that was one of the strengths of like pastor andy and amy they really created uh that family atmosphere and so i think i, I carried that with me like here to chicago too that was just something that i i always uh you know remembered fondly like some of my favorite pictures from that year um everything centered around kind of like our, us doing ministry out of their home they had this kitchen that was just like designed by God for like ministry. Cause it's just, <laughs> it's this big open kitchen. It has this like large Island in the middle, like with a granite countertop that like you could probably, you know, like 15 people can easily like stand around, like really, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And, and, and so you can be talking in there, there can be food. And then it's kind of at the center of the house. So people are like coming in and out. And, and so that becomes like the social center. So like, so I just remember so many like conversations, like, um, you know, student, when students come over, like we, you know, we'd be hanging out there and like someone would walk in and you say hi. And then, uh, and then, like after a Bible study or after like retreat, we come back, we're like cleaning up and, and then, and then you just gather around there and you're just telling stories. And, and so it, it was so much, yeah, so much of our, our ministry was kind of done like in that setting. Um, yeah. And then the other thing was the other, the other aspect of like the relationships was just doing ministry, like with my friends. Um, yeah. So with our peers. So again, like I kind of had to build those relationships up, um, because th those weren't relationships that you know, I was naturally close to like all the time, but um, it, it was that mixture of like, we did life together. We had, we had family nights like every week where 
um, basically the single bros, we would just go out and explore something in Seattle. Um, so we had like, you know, consistent times where we were just hanging out and just growing our relationships with each other, kind of goofing off or sharing, like we kind of mixed it up. Um, and then we, at the same time, we were like going hard and we were doing ministry and uh, we were trying to meet people. We played so much like basketball and soccer that year. We were there like constantly at the gyms. Uh, you know, we we would go out and do outreach at, on the um, Red Square, which is like their quad equivalent, you know, uh, and meet students at their table. We tried crazy things like uh, we set up a full band on, on the Red Square um, and like just played a couple songs and tried to get people to s- stop by, like see what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did dining hall outreach and, you know, had conversations and we were always together. We were always in pairs. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I think like, you know, the, the building up of the church was, was not about like so much the logistics of it or, you know, the, the right planning. Um, but I think so much of what we did that year was built on the strength of our relationships, which thankfully I think we were, grew really strong as, as we were doing that whole experience together. Mm, yeah, I don't know that, if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah. That, I think yeah. So what what comes to mind because we talk about how the church it's the it's the people it's, it's the body mm-hmm. of believers that are loving one another and Jesus said as you love one another people know that you're my disciples and so so like the strength of the church in some ways can be measured by the strength of the relationships within the church mm-hmm. right and so if you're a church plant and especially if those people don't have much background with each other I could see how a lot of the work that needs to be put in is just the building up of the relationships right mm-hmm. and so yeah like. I, th- I think you got to experience that there. I think we experienced that in a lot of ways here in Chicago. And then we also talk about how like, okay, so like we're supposed to go out and evangelize or we're out doing outreach. We're trying to invite people in, but like, what are we inviting them into? Right? Like mm-hmm. if, if what we're inviting them into is not this beautiful community centered around Christ, then why, why would we invite them in? Right. And so like the, the community that we have, the church that we have, the relationships that we have, have to be a uh, God honoring, but they also have to be, uh, relationships that we enjoy like mm-hmm, we yeah. that we know how to love one another so yeah. that when people come in they're like huh this is different yeah. you know and, and and then that becomes a, a powerful witness uh, yeah. to people who are observing us so yeah yeah and then on the other side of that i think like personally too i think i grew a lot just spiritually um I, that that year was the year that set a lot of the foundations for just kind of the spiritual disciplines that i i still come back to like day after day um you know today uh we had I remember we had some structure to our to our days, like in the mornings from uh, nine to twelve. We would always, uh, or nine to eleven. So we would start with DT, and then like nine to eleven, we would do some kind of self study. Um, so different people were reading books, or they were taking some kind of uh, class, like a like a seminary class, um, or, um, or or we were just taking like taking time to pray. And so like I spent yeah a lot of those mornings either yeah reading like devotional books or um, going out to just take a prayer walk on my own. And yeah, I I remember those times really fondly. I, I, yeah, I feel like that was actually kind of spiritual high for me. And I think that was where, especially in the area of prayer, I think I really learned like how to pray, how to like bring my, bring my burdens before God, how to kind of do that for like an extended time where I can, um, yeah, where I can, I can really like, you know, pray, pray for things on my heart um, bring him my requests, like share in God's heart, hear from him, kind of sit before him in prayer. And um, yeah, and I think that that laid a lot of the foundation for for uh, the future for me. So I, I'm really thankful that, yeah, we got to have that kind of 
just even the kind of space like in my life to to be able to do that i think that was really precious yeah 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 part part of what i'm hearing is that like like how how important it was for you as you graduated from college and you know before you even entered the workforce you do this you did this full-time thing and it sounds like one of the main benefits you got was was the de- yeah development of these spiritual disciplines that have now kind of served you onward since yeah exactly and yeah. and 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 so that, and as I think about like people's spiritual formation, like I think about like, you know, the undergrads here in our ministry or just even our, in our staff life, like when there's weaknesses in those basic disciplines, like going to God in prayer, going to God's word. And then, and then I think fellowship is a discipline, like the relationships that we were talking about, mm-hmm. like those things need to be shored up. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like not that many things actually, like it's those things basically. <laughs> and, and we can keep growing in that and, and fortify those foundations because that's going to actually take us like far into the future. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so you're sort of a, a, a serial church planter since, uh, <laughs> since you, you, you were out in Seattle and then you came out here in 2018 mm-hmm. with your friends and, you know, we're going to do a, another episode with, with you and your, your friends and, uh, and kind of talk about the history of the Chicago church. But I guess, you know, since we're talking about your time in Seattle, I'm just wondering, like, do you have, like, what was different about planting in Chicago versus planting in Seattle. So not not just in terms of, I mean, I know it was different because like you guys didn't have a leader when you first planted and there's like kind of stuff like that, but yeah, may, maybe like, yeah, so not so so much about the relational world because we'll talk about that in the other okay. episode, yeah. but about the campus maybe. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. How is it different as a mission field? Seattle, right. UW versus Chicago, University of Chicago, different kinds of schools. Yeah, yeah. Like what was your experience? And, and then is there something you would do differently with regards to how you start, started planting, if you could, you know, if you have everything you know now after being f- here for four years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, so yeah, U Chicago was like completely different. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that was just, our first year was just like learning that, learning that because it's so different from like public schools, um, University of Washington and like in Cal or, you know, the, the, the public school environment is just so different. The University of Washington is also like a quarter school. Um, but just the level of ambition and drive that you Chicago students have is on a completely different level. Mm. Um, yeah. Like I used to think like University of Washington students were pretty stressed. Like they have this thing where they're so- by their sophomore year, they have to actually declare their major. Um, and so, and then declaring like every student applies to their major. And so for them, it's a high pressure thing because they have to like keep up their GPA um, and make sure that, you know, they get all the requirements in, before they apply. Um, and so they used to like stress out about that. But um, yeah, at the University of Chicago is just like, just constant. Like uh, I think I was describing to someone, it just, it's just really like all consuming. Like it really demands all of you mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's like it's i think it's a combination of like the school it actually gives that much pressure just you know hearing about how much like work these professors give or how how there's assignments due on like saturdays and sundays and things like that but um i think there's also just kind of an ethos here where you need to be uh yeah you need to be like driving towards something and you know you need to have like your life really like planned out and, and everything kind of all your ducks in a row and you need to be like also involved with like other extracurriculars on the side and you need to be like kind of, you know, well-rounded and 
um, and and you need to be like constantly getting ahead. So I think that, yeah. So the the culture is different, and then I think that it just has such a huge effect on the students. I just really see how it like wears down on so many of the Chicago students. Like there's the occasional guy, like maybe like the Luke Walkers, who just like everything's <laughs> just kind of bounces off yeah. of him, bounces off of him for some reason, and so he's having a great time. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you know, I think on the whole, like. There's 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 people who are yeah just just really like weighed down by the by the environment and and so you don't get that like I think and then what that nets out to is that students here just don't seem to have as much room like like literally they just don't have space in their schedule and then they don't have space in their hearts and their minds to even like consider God or to be like oh yeah like oh, I, I'll check that out or like yeah. maybe I should think about that like yeah. you can get like a 30 minute conversation with a Chicago student because they're interested in like the topics like if you have a an interesting question like on your board and you're asking them and they'll give you all their thoughts but then you know it's kind of packed neatly and then like after that 30 minutes like you know that's it and then they're they're moving on yeah. Yeah. At, like at other schools it's you know they'll linger longer like they they you know they'll I don't know, go home and, and then come back and tell you like, Oh, I was thinking about like that. Yeah. Well, cause yeah. part of it I think is like there, I think, I think my experience at UChicago is that people are interested in that discussion for the discussion's sake, like some interesting question mm-hmm. and they'll just argue with you, for example, cause they like to argue or whatever, but then like, they're not interested in a relationship with you, you know, like to like, yeah. to continue to discuss, like yeah. that's not really in, like anything within their realm of possibility. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's sort of like, okay, well, nice nice conversation and yeah and 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 then i think there's kind of an ethos of like appreciating just good argumentation and so then like people might even give arguments without really thinking about whether they believe it or where they personally stand on this Mm -hmm. and so to me it's it's felt like a lot more impersonal even right 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 have faith discussions i feel like i'm just arguing with them for the sake of arguing versus this person really considering this might actually be true and that could actually completely change my life. Yeah. And so I, I've, I've found it harder to like when I'm engaging with non-Christians on campus that it's, it's sort of, yeah, that's not there. Like, so, and somehow it's, that's been hard to bridge. Yeah. Cause I think even, cause I think here, um, I don't know, just to be frank, I guess I, as much as students talk about like their social lives and, and making friends, I actually think their relationships are very low priority. For them, I think I used to, I used to think, I used to think otherwise. I used to take them at their word, like, you know, not to be overly cynical, but yeah, I used to, I used to take them out because like a lot of the freshmen, you know, they'll come in and they'll talk about like, yeah, how they want to find that like friend group and find their friends. Um, But yeah, it's like interactions, like what you're talking about. And then, um, yeah, just, just over the years, like seeing how like usually Chicago students have such a small circle of friends around them typically like they have, you know, they have, they have a really like close knit group or, so, you know, like a really tight group maybe, but, but like, it's a pretty small group. And then even then, like when, what I hear about people like, you know, what they consider close, like, yeah, it just, it just says to me that like, I think, yeah, they really are not prioritizing relationships. And then, yeah, I see that coming through when we try to like put out those feelers and, yeah. and see if people will engage with us. And yeah, it's, it's very hard to find people who will invest relationally with yeah, you yeah yeah so one thing i've noticed about you chicago students it's it's sort of um again i i don't know like how much of this is just the kind of student who comes here or the or sort of the um the environment that they're in but 
I, I've noticed that they're really different during like breaks, for example. So like yeah, kind of, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. what you're what you're describing of like people who like they don't really want they don't seem to really want to engage with you uh-huh. or they just like they just seem like just up to here like yeah and, like, yeah, and yeah, just, yeah yeah. But then I have I've had this experience where like suddenly like finals are done and yep. it's like summer. Yep. And suddenly it's like I'm talking to a different it's like person. A different person, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that hmm, that's interesting. Like. Like you're you're really social actually, and like yeah. you're really interested in yeah, like and we're having a normal conversation now, yeah. right? And yeah, and so that's re- made me realize that I actually maybe a big part of why our experience of U Chicago students is like that is actually because of the environment, right? Like, right. There's something about the I like the ethos you were talking about yeah. where people feel like unless they're doing like X level of work, yep. they're just like a failed human being or yeah. something. Oh that, yeah, that the yeah, yeah. school tells you or the culture tells you. And then from even talking to the other pastors in the area who've been here longer than me, yeah. they've told me like, they, they feel like the campus gives an unreasonable amount of pressure. Right. The students, right. So yeah, no, no, exactly. And then like the clearest example to me of that is the new grads or not just the new grads, but like, well, specifically like Jeff B, Jeff right? B? Because, because, okay, yeah, yeah, huh. I, you know, cause I have, I have a really close relationship with Jeff B and we, like I, I spent time ministering to him like his senior year and, you know, he was going through stuff senior year, but like, in particular, a lot of it was tied to, you know, like finishing, just finishing school, yeah, right? And just like, on just time. graduating on yeah, time. Yeah. And then like after he graduated, you know, he moved to San Diego because uh, that's where he got a job. He's joined a San Diego church. He has peers there and he's like a different person. Yeah. Like every time I see him, I'm like, I, I kind of have this like thought, like, I wonder if he's going to still be as happy as he was like uh, last time and he yeah, is yeah. and it's like <laughs> you know uh, I'm, uh, yeah okay i'm coming off of this like really yeah. cynical person yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah it's like you know i'm really i'm, I'm thankful and then yeah. and then it makes me think dude this school is like something's wrong so i feel like yeah. sometimes i'm battling against yeah, the school yeah. for the souls of our i know students. i know like, yeah i'm like you guys don't have to believe in this i mean i know yeah, yeah and, but it's hard right it's hard because you're in the middle of it and yeah so I mean, we feel for you guys. Yeah, like, yeah, for just, sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I ha- feel that. Have hope, have hope. There's a light to the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and yeah. Like I see that in our new grads too. Like, yeah, you know, Nezi and Eden and Giselle and and Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah, you guys are different from when you were undergrad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then it makes me actually it actually makes me appreciate all the more all the um all the students who are coming out yeah, and like who like are people are taking steps of who faith. are taking steps of yeah. faith who are like you know setting aside time yeah. like and, and a lot of time like when we did especially when we did that youth thing last uh last quarter we put on the youth event like they gave up you know they gave up like three or four of their fridays you know two two like full friday nights and and the saturday like, like entire saturday. day yeah. you know right in the right in the thick of like the quarter and you know right around people have midterms and projects um to do this and so so for me um you know i don't i don't think they probably see it that way but that's that's you know i see that as a big step of faith yeah. i think that they're taking yeah, for sure. um, to do that and so i value that a lot i, I think at first so like uh, you know in contrast right like i didn't value that as much yeah. because um like you know alex rodriguez would come to like uh like one bible study every like three weeks and i'd be like what the heck this guy <laughs> but then you know but then like now now you know looking back like you know, now that I kind of know the Chicago culture more and more and like, yeah, kind of where he was and, and where our group was and like how early we were. So it's like, I'm like really thankful. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Like he was, yeah. Like he had, he probably had so much else going on, but then yeah. like, yeah. So, you know, not to make like too much of that, but it, I think I, I do, I do appreciate, um, 
do appreciate it, like how 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 they take steps of faith in that yeah. way. Yeah, like in yeah in in kind of your context, yeah, like learning to take a step of faith yeah. and, and and do more and yeah, yeah, and, and that looks different for different people and at different campuses. So yeah, so um, kind of our our last topic here. So um, I guess when we're brainstorming things we could talk about, you mentioned books and you know speaking of Chicago students and all the reading and work that they have to do and the books they have to read, mm-hmm. we can talk about some books that um have really kind of influenced us or helped us in our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, any, any, uh, well, maybe we should talk about how everyone in our church seems to reference Harry Potter <laughs> and Lord of the Rings. I mean, those seem to be like assigned uh, reading at our church. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I love those books. So, <laughs> you know, part of it is generational, right? Yeah, like yeah. our, our generation is the, we're, we're the Harry Potter generation yeah, yeah. and, you know, everyone after us was the, uh, like Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson. Hunger, Hunger Games. Yeah. Percy Jackson was was pretty good, but it's definitely not on the part of Harry Potter. So okay, so my like my my pitch on Harry Potter, I think, or at least personally, what I love about Harry Potter is actually the picture of friendships. Um, there's there's this like one line in the first in in book one of Harry Potter where they. Uh, it, it, like Harry, Hermione, and Ron, like they're they're just kind of getting to know each other, and and then they they go through this period where like they're they're getting really annoyed because they all have these like pretty unique kind of strong personalities, and then and then and then they they're kind of there's a lot of tension, and then they go through this uh they go through that whole thing with the with a troll, mm. and like Hermione's stuck in the bathroom, and then Ron and Ron and Harry like come and and they they bravely come and save her, and then she. And then, and then the professors come and they're like, how could you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's so foolish. And then Hermione, is, Hermione like takes the hit. She says like, oh, it was my idea. And then, and then J.K. Rowling has this like really, really awesome line where it says like they walked away in silence, but like from that point on, they knew they were friends. Because mm, like, yeah. how could you go through something like that and not be friends? Right, it's like right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah and then it, it's just like, it's an amazing picture of friendship that you don't really get in other like culture yeah in other in other culture or like social media like pop culture references like uh i think just the the depth of their friendship their level of like sacrifice and love for each other their selflessness towards one another um yeah i think i think that's just really like inspiring to me and always like captured uh captured my imagination and then and then the picture of them like going on these like amazing adventures together yeah that that like their their commitment to each other they just find themselves uh, you know, and, and then I guess their commitment to Harry, like they find themselves like in all these amazing adventures where they're literally like fighting good versus evil. So, um, yeah, so yeah that, it's like, cool. it's like he, Harry's clearly the hero of the right. story, but then, but then he's like a hero that could not have survived without his, yeah, without yeah. his two, yeah. two friends. And, and not just those two. I mean, it's like all of Gryffindor and, and then like, you know, later on there's these other characters that come into play that from the outside. But yeah. It's sort of like, we're all on the same side together and. Hey, let's let's fight this battle together. So, um, I think the thing about Harry Potter that I really loved was um, um, just this just this kind of feeling that like like you're there's this other world that you're you're kind of you're supposed to be a part of. Yeah, you didn't know you were supposed to be yeah, a part yeah, of, yeah. and then you kind of so that that picture of Harry like finding out that he's a wizard, and and then. And not only is he a wizard, he's like a famous wizard, I guess. But but I feel like that sort of resonates with my Christian experience of mm. like, like I always felt like I was supposed to be part of another world, and it turns out I I am because mm. I'm, I'm a child of God, and and God calls me into this spiritual battle, and there's good and evil. And, yeah. 
like I'm, I'm called to be a, a combatant in that. And and so then like, I think that's part of the, the, the charm of, of that where I'm like, I am as a kid growing up where most of my, most of the, the years when the books were coming out, I was the same age as Harry. Actually. Yeah. yeah so right, then, right, like, right. I imagine myself as Harry, like so awesome. It'd be so awesome to be a part of yeah. this, you know? And then like realizing, Oh shoot, like th that doesn't resonate with my experience. Cause that's what I'm called to be. As a yeah. Christian. Yeah. So I think there's, uh, yeah. there's a lot of overlaps there. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. If, it's hard to get yourself to read it because it is seven books, so <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is the it best. Is, yeah, it is, it is. I mean, come on. Yeah, objectively yeah, the yeah, best. Objectively yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then um, what are some like maybe we can talk about like um, are, are there any kind of like Christian books that have really formed you? So you know, fiction. By the way, hey, like I know some people don't like reading fiction. Mm -hmm. That that's a mistake. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You got to read fiction. It, yeah. it increases your ability to empathize, your ability to imagine things, and mm -hmm. and it's just and then and then I think the the rich relational worlds that get described and mm -hmm. yeah, so good fiction. All right, I'm making a plug for that because I know some people they just read nonfiction. But yeah. anyways, anyways, all right. So but then the nonfiction <laughs> is important too. So so what kind of um, what have been some books that would be helpful who you're for talking you? About. <laughs> uh, oh shoot, yeah, um, Isn't that obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like in terms of yeah, nonfiction like devotional books. Um, one that was really, one that really changed. Yeah, what was what was the prompt again? Like, okay. Uh, oh yeah, the, the kind of books yeah, that yeah. helped you in your Christian walk. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So one that really helped me in my Christian walk, uh, especially when I was in college, was the book Calvary Road. So. It's this book that's been around, you know, forever. And it's probably like, I think it's like the best selling book, Christian book of all time or something, you know, aside from the Bible, like one of these. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's written as like a, um, it, I don't know, it, it's not even, it's not an allegory because it's not fictional, but um, but the the author I'm forgetting the author's name right now. Um, Roy Hessian. Yeah, Roy Hessian. Yeah. Yeah. So Roy Roy Hessian uses this this image of uh, of Christian life as walking uh, walking on this road. But to get on the road, uh, he, you know, he says you have to enter through this door that's at the foot of the cross, and like the only way to get there is you have to kneel down. You know, you have to get down low, humble yourself before the cross and like, you know, crawl through and then, and then, and then you enter on the road. And, and through that, he talks about like different aspects of um, kind of our relationship with Jesus. And uh, there, there's a particular chapter, you know, a couple chapters in there, I think where, where he talks about, uh, he talks about repentance. Mm. Um, and, and that, so that for me was really powerful kind of around that time when I was struggling again with these sins Um uh, sin, sins of lust and, and, and those temptations, um, that book came to me really powerfully and, um, yeah, just, just helped me to help me to, it, it brought me back to the cross again. Mm. Yeah. It brought me back to the cross in a fresh way. And I, I think that the images, um, the, the images, imagery that he uses, like still stick with me. Um, just the kind of humility I need to approach Jesus with, but also the completeness of his forgiveness for me. And then, um, and then that also was something that I was doing with a friend at the time. We, we decided to read it together because we were both struggling like in this area. And, um, and, and so that, that forged a lot of memories like around this book as well, um, where it was something that we were like sharing and praying through together. Um, yeah. So, so that, that, that just, um, that just helped me like approach, approach the gospel in a, in a new way, a fresh way. And it, and it's something that I come back to again and again, it's written in like kind of old English. Um, but like everything he says, it, it's a short book. Uh, very short chapters, like big font, but everything he says is very like pithy and, and the image, the images are, are, are really piercing. And, um, 
yeah, and it just helps me uh, every time I feel like I want to, you know, it's been like my spiritual life has been kind of dry and, and I want to come back to that. So yeah, that was, that's one that's good. Um, another one that was inspiring to me. Um, so in general, like I, I really love um, uh, Christian biographies. So like I would, like if, if you're going to start with one, I would really recommend uh, C.T. Studd's biography. Um, that one's really good, really readable. I think it's just called C.T. Studd and has a picture of him on the front. And his story is super interesting because he was like this, um, world famous English cricket player, which was like basically, you know, on the equivalent on par with like soccer or like, you know, like, I guess basketball in America, like at the time in terms of like his stardom and his, his fame. But then, um, but he got saved at a revival and then, um, and then he gave his life to Christ and he gave all that up to go be a China, China missionary. So that one's good. Um, that, that, I would recommend that, but for me personally, I read uh, when after I graduated, I read um, Shadow of the Almighty, which is the uh, the biography of Jim Elliot. It's a compilation of his journal writings, and he, Jim Elliot was uh, he, he's famous for being a missionary to Ecuador, Ecuador, I think South America, yeah. So I think it's Ecuador, but I don't remember. Yeah, so he's a South American missionary, and um, and he was martyred. He was he was. Um, did I get oh, it right? Yeah. It was it was Ecuador. Okay. Yeah, that's I was thinking Akas. The it's the Akas, but they're in Ecuador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So he was he was reaching this like unreached people group. They were known for being like really violent cannibals. Right. Um, but he wanted to he wanted to reach them because he felt so compelled. Like they need to hear the gospel, and um, and he and his friends were martyred. Um, but he, he's just so inspiring because he was a guy with just crazy zeal, and it just like like burns off of the page like as you're reading it you just really you just he, he's a he's a really eloquent writer like i was just amazed by how um beautiful his like prayers and his and his like just his journaling was like mm. and, and when he was like a college student so i just felt so ashamed of how like <laughs> how poorly spoken I, I am um and then uh yeah and then and then just reading about like his uh, how he followed God's leading mm. to become a missionary. That was, um, that was really, really inspiring. It's, it's kind of a tough read. It's, it's a little bit dry, like in, in some sense, because it it's, doesn't really follow a story. It's just like, you're, you're literally reading like his journal entries for a lot of it. So, um, you know, you have to, it takes some work to kind of follow, follow the story, I guess. But, um, but that was really inspiring to me. And that, that showed me a picture of what, uh, like what a Christ follower and what a Christian man could look like. Um, it has a lot of, you know, wisdom there about it, like dating advice too, that uh, was helpful to me. So, yeah. So th- I think that was, um, that was a really good book that I, that I treasured. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Speaking of biographies, I mean, one that I read more recently was the Adoniram Judson one. Oh yeah. I haven't yeah, read that one To yet. the Golden Shore. And that's just, I mean, what I got out of that was, wow. Like, I, I I do not know the meaning of suffering. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, yeah. and kind of his, the, the extent to which he suffered as he reached out to the, the yeah. Burmese was, it's just astounding. And like, how could anyone go through that um, and still, still hold on? And yeah, he did all his life. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of reading these biographies helps us to kind of reset our standards. Yeah. For yeah. What, yeah. What we think is like suffering or what we think is a lot of faith or something like that. Yeah. So. Like we need, we need that. We get that perspective from different ways. Like, yeah, going on mission trips and things like that. But one way, you know, you can actually just do that from home is like reading these stories and you realize, wow, like Christians do crazy things for Jesus. Like yeah. 
people leave like their wives, like they leave their families, like, yeah. And then they, they die, you know? And so just puts it in perspective. Yep. Yep. And then, yeah. And then hopefully we can be inspired by that. Yeah. Inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of feeling like, like what the heck? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I think last question here. Okay. Um, uh, so what's, what's like a book that you're reading nowadays? Any, any good books recently? Oh, okay. Um, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So one book, okay. One book I just read that I would recommend cause it's very readable and was, was really inspiring actually along these lines, um, was Greg Steer's biography, uh, unlikely fighter. Unlikely fighter. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that was like a really fast read. Um, but his story is really, is really amazing. Um, just because of how the gospel just tore through his family and just upended like all of their destinies and um, and completely changed them. Um, so that was that was really really inspiring and really encouraging. Um, yeah, especially if you know if you're someone who's maybe been praying for your family and and uh, it, it was good to could, good to read that story and see how the gospel could work so powerfully in in, in their life. So yeah, I think that, that's one that I would recommend. Okay, nice. All right. Well, to wrap up, maybe. Maybe um, as you think about this winter quarter, what's um, what's a word like? What's a word of advice that you have for our listeners? Our listeners, I guess, being uh-huh. I mean, actually, a lot of random people listen. Yeah. To this, <laughs> yeah. I, I found out, but um, <laughs> people throughout our network. But um, yeah. um, I guess kind of our Chicago students, as you yeah. think about them, like any any word of advice for them? Yeah, I mean, you know, we just came off of retreats, uh, um, so you know, I, I think we. I'm thankful that we were kind of riding the momentum of just all that we learned and how God worked. Um, I would just say, just keep holding on, keep just, just, just hold on and keep on prioritizing uh, just the, just the basic disciplines, God's word and fellowshipping with his people and prayer. And I think if you just consistently can hold to those things uh, in every week, uh, you know, You'll make it. You'll more than make it. You'll more than make it. But God, God will use you. Yeah, yeah Amen. And I think my my personal experience is that I don't know if I've done a lot of things well in my life, yeah. but uh, but those things I've learned to prioritize. Yeah. And I, I can say confidently that I I've held on to those things, and I think God has led us through it. So yeah, Amen. All right. Well, thanks, Stefan. That is the end here. And so uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so the all the book recommendations that Stefan made, I'll I'll list those out in the. Uh, in the show notes so that you have those okay if you're interested in picking one of those up so but anyways that's the end of bts for today we'll catch you next time bye